Well, are you excited to be together today as a faith family? Man, I know I am. I want you to know, um, I was thinking about y'all this week, and I was just thinking, man, I need you guys in my life. It's amazing when we come together as a faith family, what God reveals in my life that needs to change. And then the addition of Sarah telling me things to apply from Todd's sermon the next week. But things to change in our life. And today I pray that all of us in here together as one faith family representing many locations and many church plants, that we together would discover something amazing that God wants for you, your family, and your church, your faith family. So, one question. Are you ready? Are, are you sure you're ready to hear from God this morning? Because I don't know. Okay, good, good. Well, let's discover together what we want to see from Christ when he comes to us and his disciples and speaks to us from John chapter 15. We'll read it in just a moment. You can go ahead and work your way there. We're kicking off our new series on the vine, discovering who Jesus is as he speaks to us as the vine. I think about this in my life. It was just recently that God used this same passage to help me discover my word for the year. If you're a Enneagram type three, and if you're a planner that has a plan that has a plan, you probably have a word for the year. Okay, one person, amen, thank you, thank you. One person, everybody else, no. My word for the year is abide. And Sarah put it on our calendar in our kitchen, so every morning we see the word abide. What we're going to discover together today is that Jesus wants, if anything, just abiding in him. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 4. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 4. Let's read it together. Jesus says to his disciples, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Now let me explain to you a little bit of the background of what's happening here. From John chapter 14 to 16, we see the final message of Jesus to his followers, what we would call the 12 disciples. So think of it in regards to this. If you are an athlete and you're in the locker room and the coach walks in and you're about to step out for the final quarter of the biggest game of your life, he's going to give you that one last pep up speech, right? He's going to come with you with everything he has to get you excited about what you're about to see on that court or on that field. The same thing is the scenario here. Jesus, it's the final moment he has to invest in his followers, the 12 disciples. And in that final moment, right before he is to be betrayed by one of them in this situation, and then be crucified on behalf of all men's sins, and then rise again three days later, he wants to leave them with one last bit of knowledge. This is what we see. Let's read it again now, understanding the background John chapter 15, let's begin again at verse 4. And he says, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you what? Abide in 
me. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First thing we see in here is Jesus gives him an illustration in this final sermon that he is a vine. Now, I don't know much about botany. I don't even know if that's the right word or not. But plant growth. But I do know that there's usually something that comes up out of the ground and then little things that come off of that something. Are you with me? Jesus saying, hey, I'm the something that's coming up out of the ground and you're the branches, the something that's coming off of me. He says, I'm the life giver. Now, again, I don't know much about botany, but if you go up to a plant and you decide to cut the vine or the beginning of the growth from the ground, Everything else, guess what? It's going to be dead. It's going to be good and dead. And then maybe you'll eat it if it's like a lettuce or something. But it's gone. Jesus is saying, I'm the source of life. You are a product of me, the branch. So now that we see that, look at the key word he says there. John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever, what? Abides in me. And then the promise, and I in you. Look at verse 4. He kicks it off. What? Abide in me, and I in you. So what is Jesus doing in this final moment with his disciples? Let me tell you what he's not doing. All right, guys, gather around. I'm about to leave you. You're on your own. Good luck. Let me tell you what he's not doing. He's not saying, all right, guys, I'm going. You've seen how I've done things. You better get out there and get to work, buddy. It's all relying on you, 12. Well, 11, Judas, you're about to lose. Okay? He's not saying that. He's not saying, man, guys, I've done a good work here. You're going to ruin it. You better fix it up later. Okay? This is what he's saying. Guys, haven't we had a great time? I've invested in you. And because of that, look who you are today. Let's keep it going. What do you say? I'm about to leave and go to the Father, but I'm sending the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to keep this line of communication going. So, why don't you guys do one thing for me while I'm gone? Just be with me. Talk to me. Listen to the Spirit and what He's saying to you. Follow in obedience of what He guides in you. Be with me. So the final thing, one of the final sermons that Jesus gives His disciples is one word, relationship. I want a deep relationship with you as my followers. I want you to be with me, abide. I want you to stay connected to me because I am relational. So for you today, if you're a follower in the room, know that Jesus, in one of his final moments, speaking to disciples and to all followers of Christ, is saying, be with me. I want to spend time with you. I want us to abide, to be together. 
If you're not a follower of Christ and you're just discovering who this Jesus is, what he said and what he did, then notice the word relationship. Not practice, doing, religion. Abiding. Have a relationship with me as a follower. So why? Why is this really important? Well, let me tell you a story first. Just about eight months ago, I was at a uh, church planner and pastor's prayer gathering. And I, like probably many in this room today, walked into that prayer gathering being really down and discouraged. Man, some tough things had happened in ministry, and I was just disappointed, maybe a little bit angry. Uh, My marriage, we just had a newborn, so that explains a lot right there. Uh, All these things were coming up. I was in this mindset of, as a number three on the Enneagram, I mean, I had a plan for the plan for the plan. I I had everything written in my notes and scheduled. I walked into this meeting thinking, and I got to take time to pray? And I was sitting there with a group of pastors, and this one pastor got on the stage to kind of call us into a moment of prayer. And he went to John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. And he began to kind of say it as this. Is anybody in here just exhausted today? Well, amen. Yeah, I'm a little exhausted. Is anybody in here maybe a little bit angry today? Yeah, okay, I'm a little angry at that person. Anybody in here today struggling with their marriage? Yeah, I have a newborn. Enough said. Is anybody in here just needing a little burst of life? Yeah, that's me. Then Jesus says, abide. And I kind of looked around the room to see if anybody else got hit in the face like I did. And I said, say what? You want me, but I have it all planned. I mean, checkpoint one, redeem this relationship. Checkpoint two, read a book on how to be a better husband to a wife with a newborn. Check box three, talk to Todd and PJ about Todd and PJ. Check number three. So I had it all figured out. And this pastor tells me, stop everything you're doing. Do you want to see God work in your life and in your family and in your ministry and everything you do? Then just be with him. So why does it matter? Because he says it right there for us. We read it again. Same two verses, verse 4 and 5, John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you. He promises that he will not leave nor forsake us through the Holy Spirit, our connections to him, as the branch cannot bear what? Fruit by itself. There's the botany. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So this is what we see. He says, you cannot bear fruit without me. You cannot. Look what he says in verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much what? Fruit. Produce. Results. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It was as if God said this one phrase to me, and you'll see it here on the screen. Don't be a fixer. Don't be a doer. Be an abider. Woo! Anybody else? Boom! Man, that hurts. I want to fix everything in my house, right? I want to be in control of my household and everything that happens. I want to be the hardest working church planner on the face of this planet. 
I want to be a man that's strong and powerful and going that never has to take a break. Weekend smeekin. That's a new word today. And Jesus says, no. Don't be a fixer, Jordan. Don't be a doer. Be an abider. Because here's the second main phrase that Jesus brought out of this word for us today is being an abider produces or equals repairs and actions. As we're an abider, as we're connected to the source of life, the one that's producing us as the branches, then the result is fruit. The result is much growth. The result is the repairs in your marriage that you're seeking, the repairs in the friendship that you may have that's broken, the repairs in your own life, in your own walk, where you want to see sin done away with and walking in newness of life. That comes by abiding. Actions. Do you want to see people saved this year in your location? Amen. Do you want to see those people you've been praying for come to follow Christ and then lead someone else to Christ? Amen. There's doing in that. But Jesus says, I produce the fruit. Just be with me. And I will call you to what needs to happen to fulfill the fruit being produced. If you're a visual learner like I am, look at this first photo here. I hope this kind of helps you see the illustration that Jesus is giving. Here's this nice little kind of vine slash tree looking thing growing up a nice white wall. On it, you'll see where the source of the growth is. If you're looking over here, you can see it right here. This is where it all begins, right? Then from that, you just see branches after branches after branches after branches and the fruit being produced. Now, this is what we see in our lives, okay? Here's my apple, my fruit. Let's say it's love. I want more love in my life today, okay? Let's say it joy. I want a little more joy in my life today. Let's say it's purpose, fulfillment. Let's say it restored relationship, restored marriage. Let's say it's a a better success in leading. Fruit. What's not gonna happen is if you to look at this and say, Reproduce yourself. It's not going to happen. You can sing to it. You can dance with it. You can read a book about it. You can hang out with it. You can kiss it. You can do just about anything. But an apple isn't going to produce another apple. But if I'm a branch and I'm connected to the tree of life, the apple source, that produces a fruit. So look at this next slide here. I hope that helps you make sense. Jesus is the vine. I am the branch. You are the branch. Focusing on the fruit, in this picture, the lemon, does jack nothing. But focusing on the connection point brings everything. When you are here and not going, oh, I got to love more. I got to be a better husband. I got to be a better father. I got to learn how to change diapers faster. This kid's crawling. What are we going to do? That doesn't help. But what helps is when you're saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I follow you. Lord, I'm just going to rest in you today. Lord, let your word speak to me. I'm listening to you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. 
I'm abiding. That produces love. That produces joy. That produces purpose, fulfillment, leadership, restored relationships, restored marriages, and a walk in life that Jesus calls abundant. That is at the connection point. Let's look at it in one more illustration here. Just the other day, I was walking into um, the living room at our house, and, and many of y'all with children, newborns, there's a lot of toys. And I, we just can't find places to put it. So sometimes when you walk in the living room, if there's no light on, it's a minefield. Legos are banned at our house. They will not happen. One day, I was walking into our living room, just kind of dodging all the toys that I thought were there. And I came to our lamp, the light source that was going to produce something in the room so I would knew, knew what I was doing. And I came over there, and there was no light. And in that moment, I began to think, what's the problem? So I began to kind of follow the cord, trying to find maybe what could be the problem. And many of you guys probably have done this too. You forgot to plug it in. You can work as hard as you want in your life. You can turn and turn and turn and turn. But if you're not connected to the life source, if you're not spending time with the source that brings the life into you, there will never be the result. So I did what anybody would have done. I plugged it in, and there was life. If you and I are the lamp, and Jesus is the connecting point, the source of energy, just be connected. He promises that push that energy into you. He promises to bring fruit. He promises that he's there with you, in you, through the Holy Spirit. But we're just sometimes not plugged into him and expecting results. If you want to see results in your life and in your marriage and in this church, be here, connected to the source of life. Just recently, I was uh, listening to a podcast about Dr. Billy Graham. And in some of his final moments, just in that last year, he was uh, interviewed in his home by two pastors. They had the great opportunity of meeting him just in those final moments. And they were just really, really, really anxious to hear what would Dr. Billy Graham say in his final year, possibly, of life. They came before him and they asked him one question. Dr. Billy Graham, you've had a great fulfilling ministry, have seen more people come to faith than probably anybody ever. If you could change one thing, what would it be? Dr. Billy Graham looked at those two pastors, two men, and said, I would be with Jesus more. He didn't say, I would go back to this country I would preach this sermon a little bit different. I would give more invitations. We would sing more of these type of songs. We would work harder, do more, go longer. He said, I'd stop and be with Jesus more. 
one last illustration before we ask ourselves some reflection questions. D.L. Moody, you've maybe heard this story before, was traveling through Europe on one of his expeditions on trying to learn how to become a better preacher. D.L. Moody, a great evangelist, came to a small Europe town. When he was there, the pastor of the church there asked him, D.L. Moody, would you please, I know you're just traveling through to learn and become better, but would you just please preach for us this morning? Finally, he said, okay, sure, 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 I'll preach. He preached this morning, and it was dead in the room. Some of y'all may be feeling that way right now. Everybody was half asleep. Everybody was just dead. He left a little upset that morning, and the pastor came back to him and said, Oh, D.L. Moody, please, please, sir, just one more time. Preach for us tonight. Preach for us tonight. He said, Okay, I'll preach for you one more time. He went, he studied, he worked, he tried to get ready for this difficult crowd. He stepped back into the same church with the same group of people and preached a very similar sermon. But this time, he writes in his journal, Before I could even make it through the first point, tears were in people's eyes. The same people asleep in the morning were now crying in the evening, broken for life change in them. He preached through the sermon. He gave an invitation. He said, if anybody wants to follow Jesus, stand up. A third of the crowd stood up. He didn't believe it. He was shocked. He said, no, 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 no. Sit back down. Sit back down. You ever seen a pastor do that? No. Like, come on, bring it. Glory, glory. Okay. He said, sit back down. I don't believe you. He said, if you really want to follow Jesus, stand up a second time. Even more people stood up. Guess what? He still wasn't convinced. He said, sit back down. Repeated the same thing a third time and then said, okay, if you really want to follow Jesus, meet me and the pastor in this back room. He knew that Adam right there, right? He goes in the back room. Almost the entire church was back there waiting to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus. They had a prayer service the following morning. D.L. Moody continued on his journey. He got a telegram in the mail, and it read, D.L. Moody, return back to us, for revival has broken out. He did research of what changed in that same crowd that was dead asleep in the morning and alive in tears in the evening, and this is what he found. One woman, bedridden in a hospital, visited by one lady in the morning service, stepped into her room and said, D.L. Moody was at our church this morning. It was okay. That one bedridden woman told the nurse, keep all my food away today. Don't let anybody disturb me. I'm fasting and praying that God moves in my church and in our town tonight. Over 300 people were saved because one woman did what? Abide. Just spent time with the life source. Let me ask some questions. The what now? What are we going to do about today's message? I want you to reflect with me for yourself. I want you to think about this question here. In your life, for yourself, how will you abide with Jesus this week? How will you abide with Jesus this week? Let me give you my example. I'm a 5.30 a.m. in the morning checking the emails, trying to get a jump start on everybody else. Well, now this week, I'm going to be 5.30 in the morning. 
on my knees before my Lord. Just learning from him. So how will you, just one step this week, abide with the source, connect to him? Next question. How will you and your family abide with Jesus this week? This is a good question. My one discipline I added for this year, because Enneagram number three, is I will pray with Sarah before I go to work, and I will pray with Sarah when we go to bed. That's one way, one way this week that I'm choosing to abide as a family with Jesus. What does that look like for you? Maybe it's on Saturday, the TV's off, you gather your family together. Hey, let's pray that God would speak to us tomorrow at church. Maybe for you, it's going on a date with your wife and just confessing sin in your life to her, that your relationship may be brought back closer. Abiding together as a family. And the final question, how will your faith family abide with Jesus this week? For us, we've been talking as a men's group, how we can come together and pray once a week. What would that look like in our schedules? so that we can spend more time with the life source. For you, maybe there's a friendship that needs to be restored. Maybe there needs to be an opportunity for you to say, I'm going to jump on a team in service. I'm going to be with my faith family at midweek. How are you going to abide with your faith family this week? Our musician's going to come up for the time of invitation. And as he does, I want to call you to action this morning. Call to action is simply this. Maybe today you don't have a relationship with Jesus where you can even begin abiding. Jesus says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and brought into right relationship with him. Your call to action this morning is simply become a follower of Jesus. Hear me now. Simply just become a follower of Jesus. Not a doer, not a fixer, just a follower in relationship with Jesus. You can do that where you're at. You can do that here with me or one of the pastors. You can do that with a friend that brought you or a friend you know in this auditorium. But this message means nothing if you're not called into action to be a follower of Jesus. Another call to action. If you are a follower of Jesus today, but you just... Man, you're just not feeling connected to the life source. You're beat up by life. You're destroyed as a father or a mother or a single mom or a single dad or a single person. You're trying to do, fix, and repair everything. Your call to action is simply this. Stop. Call to Jesus and begin abiding right here. You can do that where you're at. You can do that here with one of the pastors, but do it. Results will come when you abide. Final thing, call to action. Perhaps today, in your faith family, with a friend, you either need to restore or you just need to get together and pray. As a family, as a mom, as a dad, who will lead in praying together? So come and follow Jesus. Make an action step to abide with Jesus now or get with somebody and say, let's abide with Jesus together. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to call into these action steps that we would move. Lord, 
As the pastors come, as we reflect on your message of hope and truth, Lord, we just ask right now that we would be called to action by your spirit to move and to pray and to go and call you our abiding source of life and connect with you now. Jesus, we all do this in amen.